in March of 1982, was about nine months after Pastor Lehman Strauss and his wife, whose name was Elsie, about nine months after they had celebrated their 50th anniversary. During this time and on this particular day, Pastor Strauss received a phone call with the crushing news that his wife had suffered a massive stroke. After spending days, weeks, and months at his wife's side, uh, the pastor began to learn that some trials in life move about very, very slowly. Many months later, with very little improvement in his wife's condition, uh, the pastor began to write a book. The book was called In God's Waiting Room, Learning Through Suffering. In this book, he writes this. He says, I've been teaching the Bible and preaching sermons and writing books for 45 years, but trial and tribulation are now my constant companion. Truths that I once knew intellectually and academically, I am now learning experientially. And there is a great difference. I have been in God's waiting room since my wife had her stroke. Elsie remains paralyzed, and she needs my love and care 24 hours every day. This business of waiting is one tough assignment. At times, I've found it hard to wait. I get in a hurry, and God seems so slow. Centuries earlier... David found himself in God's waiting room as he penned the words to this 13th psalm. Now most commentators speculate that this psalm was written during the time that David was being pursued by Saul. Now scholars estimate that David spent, you ready, between 7 to 12 years on the run from Saul. 7 to 12 days, not 7 to 12 weeks, not 7 to 12 months, but 7 to 12 years he spent being pursued by Saul. I say that to highlight the reality is if, if you're in the midst of a, of a prolonged season of trials, then may you know that you're not alone. And Psalm 13 it's the psalm for you. See, from, from time to time, we find ourselves in the midst of a prolonged season of trial. But don't forget, according to Romans 5.3, suffering produces perseverance, right? So perseverance, this takes time. Perseverance doesn't just happen on its own. Perseverance means endurance. Endurance doesn't come about quickly. Right? We have to go through it. We have to learn through it. We have to struggle through it. And often, this business of perseverance and endurance can be a very long, hard, and sometimes even lonely process. So what we have before us today is the words that David penned in, in response to his prolonged season of struggles and, and suffering. In it, he, he asked several questions. 
which highlights the truth that questions aren't bad, right? Questions can be good, especially when we're sincerely seeking the answer to these questions. So Psalm 13 teaches us what to do when we find ourselves in God's waiting room. And so the psalm begins with a lament over our distress. And so one of the greatest lessons of this psalm is also one of the most comforting lessons that we can learn. And that lesson is that it is acceptable for us to pour out our hearts unto God. Our Heavenly Father knows us completely. And in His grace, He gives us permission to vent our feelings, to share our frustrations to Him, just as we will see in this psalm. Which this is a liberating truth. One that we must realize and embrace if we're going to walk victoriously in those dark valley days. We have the, the assurance that we can go to God with everything. And so many of the Psalms begin in a similar way. Many of the Psalms begin with defeat and end in a tone of victory. And so uh, this is a pattern that is most typical when you're reading through the psalm. Usually the psalm will begin with the psalmist pouring out his heart towards God, sharing his, his feelings or even venting his frustrations. But then after that, there's a prayer for God's intervention, a prayer for God's assistance. And then once that burden has been shared you'll notice that the the load has been lightened and then praise immediately floods the psalmist's heart. While in most of the psalms, the the crisis is not resolved by the end of that psalm, but by the end of the psalm, the psalmist has found the strength to endure the problem. He also has the joy in order to sustain himself through the problem. Which means that when we seek our Lord, even in our frustration, God will release His His strength and His encouragement into our hearts so that we're able to endure those trials with a victorious spirit. And so look at beginning at verse number 1. There He says, How long, O Lord, will You forget me forever? How long will You hide Your face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart all the day? How long will my enemy be exalted over me? So in a series of rhetorical questions, David expresses his feelings, and quite frankly, he feels as though he's being ignored by God, even that he's been forgotten by God. And so he asked God several questions. Question one, how long will you forget me forever? And so David thought that God was ignoring him. Not only just him, but ignoring him and the seriousness of the situation that he found himself. Notice that David didn't ask the Lord if he had forgotten him. Now, David has already determined in his mind that God had forgotten all about him. That God no longer was paying attention 
kill him. So he already determined he's been forgotten by God. And now he was asking how long would it be before God would remember him again. In fact, he asked God, will he ever remember him again? Then he asked the question, uh, how long will you, will you hide your face from me? So in, in addition to being forgotten by God, David felt that he was abandoned by God, left all alone in his suffering. See, in the scriptures, God's face or, or the countenance of God was a symbol of his presence, of his favor, of his blessing. And so by saying that the Lord was hiding his face from him, David was expressing his feeling that God had withdrawn his favor from his life and, and ultimately placed them under the curse of the enemy. You see, his loneliness influenced him to doubt the Lord's faithfulness. And he asked more questions. How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart all the day? That sorrow in the heart all the day. David was in a mental and emotional turmoil. Negative thinking and fearful feelings enslaved him. We're not careful, we can all fall into that same kind of trap. When we're trapped in the valley of severe trials with no apparent relief in sight, for some of us, our imaginations can become very difficult for us to control. And if we're not careful, then those negative thoughts and those fearful feelings will begin to take control of us and produce a whole lot of fear within us. We're seeing this played out in David's life. He asked the fourth question, how long will, will my enemy be exalted over me? David was convinced that his, his enemies were, were winning. Now, if the sending of this psalm was in the time frame of Saul's pursuit of David, then, then it most certainly felt true for David because he had been on the run for a very long time. But, but the reality is, for every difficult and dangerous day that David lived on the run, was another day that Saul failed to succeed in his efforts to destroy him. So, so for David, he was overwhelmed by the storm cloud of life. And those, those clouds might be hiding the sun, if you will, but the fact remains, behind those clouds, the, shun, the sun still shines. Right? It doesn't stop shining. So it is a very dangerous thing, like in these first two verses, it is a very dangerous thing for us to give into our feelings. Because our feelings are deceptive. They're undependable. Our feelings are misleading. Rather than giving into our feelings, we need to give thought to the truth of the Word of God. Don't give in to feelings. Your, your feelings will lead you astray. Martin Luther said that feelings come and feelings go. Feelings are deceiving. My security is the Word of God. 
not else worth believing. So it is important to understand that that not giving in to our feelings is not saying that we deny those feelings. It's not pretending as though uh, those hard things aren't happening. It's not masking or or denying the, the pain or the fear, the frustration that we might have. No, it's not... It's not pretending that everything is going well. May you know that there's no sin in asking God how long. But at the same time, we must remember that God rules and reigns over His creation. And God's Word reveals Him to be faithful and true. And the Word of God should shape our thinking, not our feelings. When we look at His Word, we see that it says in Isaiah 49 and Matthew chapter 6, that it is absolutely impossible for God to forget us. When we look at His Word, we, we see that it says in Matthew chapter 28, verse number 20, verse number 20 that we see that God will never leave us, nor will He forsake us. You, you look at His Word in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse number 14, or 1 John chapter 5, verse number 4. You look in His Word and you'll see that the enemy will not prevail over us. Not in the end. We may temporarily get knocked down, but we will never be defeated. So that's why we need to put our, our, our thoughts upon the Word of God and not focus so much on our feelings. So moving from his lament over his distress, David now offers his prayer asking God for his help. And look at verse number 3. It says, Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Enlighten my eyes, or I will sleep the sleep of death. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him. And my adversaries will rejoice when I am shaken. And so we started from this lament over his distress, and now we move to this prayer asking God for his help. And may you know, for God to consider and answer him, that means that God would have to respond and relieve David of his circumstance. That's what he's asking. David realized that he could not defeat the enemy on his own strength. He knew that ultimately he needs the help of the Lord. And so from the depths of despair, he begs God for God's attention and his assistance. And as much as David was concerned about his own needs, I would argue that he's even more concerned about the glory of God. Because David could not bear the thought of his enemies gloating over his situation. David could not bear the thought of his enemies thinking that David's God was powerless and unable to save him. So from that distress, he cries out and he asks God, God, consider and answer me. And then notice how he prays. He says, enlighten my eyes. Uh, for, for David to pray, enlighten my eyes, was his way of requesting divine wisdom 
and a heavenly perspective of his situation and his need. So in desperation, David says, enlighten my eyes or I will sleep the sleep of death. Have you ever felt that desperate? Desperate enough to, to think that unless God shares his wisdom, unless you begin to see things from a heavenly perspective, that you might die if God doesn't respond? So see, here's the thing. Sometimes God will allow severe circumstances to occur in our lives in order to show us just how much we need Him. Many people never acknowledge God until something drastic or even tragic occurs in their lives. I think we realize this to be true. Because how, how many times have, have we waited for our loved one to hit rock bottom in hopes that in desperation they'll finally stop depending upon themselves and fully turn to the Lord. The God's desire for our dependence upon Him and our fellowship with Him, so much so that He'll do whatever it takes in order to wake us up to the realization of just how much we need Him in our lives. Think about Jesus and His teaching unto us. Jesus did not teach us to ask for the Lord's provision on a weekly, monthly, or annual basis. No. Rather, He tells us to ask Him for our daily bread. Enough for today. See, God wants us to be aware of Him at all times. He wants us to be fully dependent upon Him in every circumstance that we face in life. So express your feelings. Pray for God's relief and His assistance. And then notice the third step or the third part of this psalm has to deal everything with giving affirmation of your trust, your confidence in God. Look at verse 5. It says, But I have trusted in your loving kindness. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I sing to the Lord because He has dealt bountifully with me. Notice suddenly, David's demeanor has radically changed. His questioning and his pleading in verses 1 and 2 suddenly transforms into rejoicing here in verses 5 and 6. Notice that he's not received the answers to his questions, nor has he received the relief from his situation. But after honestly and authentically pouring out his heart to God, the wonderful peace of God filled his soul. So by the end of Psalm 13, it's so important for us to understand that David's circumstance didn't change, but the Lord changed David. And that occurred when David stopped focusing on his feelings, stopped focusing on his enemies, stopped focusing on his problems, stopped focusing 
on his trials. And then he began to focus upon his Lord. And every one of us, we will face problems and trials in our lives. Some of us, it seems more frequently and more severe than others. But in such times as these, then what should we do? I would say, stop focusing on the situation and start focusing on the Savior. He's the game changer in and through it all. And so we ought to take the, the time, honestly, we ought to take the time even right here, right now, today, before we even leave, to, to, to do what Psalm 13 has prescribed for us to do. What is that? Well, we ought to be willing and honest to, to vent our feelings, to share our frustrations to the Lord. We should not hide it, pretend as though it's not there, but we should be honest. Honest about the things that you're dealing with. Honest about the things that you're struggling with. Tell Him about your hurt. Tell Him about your hopelessness or the helplessness that you feel. Bring it to Him. But then when you share that frustration then you need to also express your need for the Lord. Pray for His divine assistance. Ask Him for the insight into your situation. Ask Him to show you what He's doing in your life, how He's working, how He's moving in your current trial. Ask Him for the divine wisdom And also ask Him for that heavenly perspective so that you can begin to see that trial from His perspective, not from yours. As you vent your feelings and share your burdens and your struggles and you pray unto Him and asking and expressing your dependence upon Him. And finally, may you acknowledge your trust and your confidence in the Lord. A few verses I'll share and then I'll be done. They come from Proverbs chapter 3, verse number 5. There it says to trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Jeremiah 17, verse number 7 says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose trust is the Lord. One more comes from Psalm 34, verse number 8. There it says, Oh, Taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in Him. The challenge for all of us today is if if you're in God's waiting room today, that you share those feelings, those frustrations, those fears that you have. You pray for His assistance, his strength, his guidance, his insight, his wisdom, all the while expressing your confidence in the faithfulness and the trust that you have in our great God. And as a child of God, may you know that even in the deepest of valleys, in the darkest of nights, we have many reasons to rejoice. No matter how deep the valley 
or how, how dark the night, we can rejoice as a child of God because we're saved. And that doesn't change our salvation. Our sins are, are forgiven. We've been granted eternal life. Which means no matter how dark the, the valley is or how deep the valley and how dark the night is, no matter how deep or how dark that we are no longer enemies of God. We've been released from the wrath of God. So we have much to be thankful for. In the midst of those hard seasons, we can still rejoice because we're free. We're free from the penalty of sin. We're being set free from the practice of sin. And then one day, we will eternally, finally, completely be set free from the very presence of sin. No trial can take away from those truths. If you're in God's waiting room, or when you're in His waiting room. Be honest about your feelings. Prayerfully depend upon Him. All the while acknowledge your trust and your confidence in our great God. And while you might not be able to see what's happening in and around your life through that trial, you can trust that God will work all things out in accordance to his good. In accordance to his will. In other words, for the glory of God or for the strengthening and the edification of his church. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, in the midst of so many distractions in our world right now, Father, I pray that in this uh, time of response that we could focus uh, upon how to rightly respond to your word today. And so, Father, I pray that you would be encouraging unto each and every person here, that your spirit would make known any sins that must be confessed and repented from, any decisions and commitments that should be made. Father, May we not rush through this next song. May we prayerfully reflect upon just how great you are and how blessed we are to, to have your word uh, to, to guide us and equip us and how to rightfully live in the midst of such wickedness and immorality. So Father, be with us in this time May you receive all the honor and glory that you're due. May we write for the response. In Christ's name I pray.